Welcome to the Wealthy After Divorce podcast. Jackie Ressler, a divorce financial planner with almost 25 years experience, and myself, Melissa Fradenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. We are both certified divorce financial analysts and your co-hosts. If you're thinking about divorce or in the process of divorce, this is a time for you to take a deep breath and give yourself permission to gain clarity on the financial decision you're facing. While the term wealth typically refers to money and possessions, we know that truly being wealthy means a whole lot more. Together with our guests on this podcast, we will help you live wealthy after divorce. Hello and welcome to the Wealthy After Divorce podcast. This is Melissa Fradenberg in the Gross Point office. And today our guest is Nicole Middendorf, CEO of Prosper Wealth Financial. Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Nicole is a money maven, a knowledge junkie, and a born coach. She's an entrepreneur who has run her own wealth management firm since 2003. She's the author of five books, the mother of two children, and she's also a world traveler, a philanthropist, and an accomplished public speaker. Nicole shares financial advice and real-life perspective on saving, planning, and investing. And her primary goal is to take complicated subjects and make them easy to understand. I love that. And I also noticed, Nicole, when I went to your website, the first quote you see is life is not just about money, but instead about living your life to the fullest. But before we get started and get into our subject, I would love for you to share kind of your story and your inspiration on how you got started with this focus. Yeah, well, I believe like out of the worst things in life, sometimes come the best. (laughs) And that is my career, (laughs) let alone my own divorce. I grew up as a figure skater. I just, I studied abroad in Germany. I lived over there in high school and college and I I just fell in love with the United Nations. And I was like, and then I learned about Madeleine Albright and Ruth Bader Ginsburg and I was just inspired. And so I had this dream to go to law school and to change the world. And in college, uh, I I met someone who dreamt of being a stockbroker his whole life, went to school for finance and he started working back then. It was Dean Witter. And he just was adamant. He's like, you're not going to law school. Like, you need to work with me. And I'm like, I don't want to work with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, you know, being a financial advisor or working in finance, like, that is not my dream. Like, my dream is like, change the world. And um, and it all goes back to like, a lot of us have experiences in life that, particularly when we were little, that define us or how make us really who we are. And when I was in sixth grade, I was always in every honors class. Um, I just, my parents were super strict and expected straight A's. <laughs> and um, so, and I just super, st- I just studied super, super hard. And so I was always in, back then they called them challenge classes, but I was always in the advanced placement challenge classes. And, uh, but one day my math teacher for the challenge class was gone. So I was with all the rest of the kids in sixth grade and I was called to the front of the room to do the problem. And I did it on the chalkboard and I did the problem wrong. And this teacher made this huge deal out of it. Like, how can we have one of our challenge students like do this math problem wrong? And so it was at that moment that I put a mental block on me. Like I can't do math. And from that moment forward, like I was never in challenge math courses anymore. Oh no, really that's struggled. terrible. I know I really struggled with math. You, how old were you at the time? I was in sixth grade. So I was okay. like, tw- you know, 12, yeah. somewhere, you know, 11, 12, somewhere around there. And so I then 
said later on in my years, I can't do math, which means I can't do money. So when my husband at the time was like, you're going to be a financial advisor, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, ah, like I had this anxiety and this anxiousness about it. I'm like, no, absolutely not. But I just, and I just thought he was controlling. And later on, you know, I realized that um, I was dealing with a domestic violence situation, but that's how I ended up in this career. It was really being like forced into it. <laughs> you had dreams of changing the world. You were forced yes. to become a stockbroker. And then now you're able to do both, right? So exactly. that's kind of cool, even though you exactly. didn't seek it out. Exactly, which is super cool. And so, you know, so I started back then, it was Morgan Stanley, Dean Witter. And I just, I worked all the time because if I was at home, it wasn't a great environment. But if I was teaching a seminar or, you know, do, helping someone. And I eventually, like I started getting on radio and I started writing some books. And so eventually, uh, January 6th of 2003, I resigned from Morgan Stanley and started my own business. And we were called Strategic Financial. Grew it. We had a commercial building. We had 12 financial advisors. Fast forward, then I had the kids. Um, and so on August 4th of 2010, it was the first time that the 911 phone call went through. And my, a warrant was put out for my now ex-husband's arrest. My daughter was six months old and my son was two. And so I had let it go on too long. I, you know, I, I think, you know, I remember specifically that night when it all happened. Like, you can hurt me, but don't hurt these two kids. And I, I'd let it go too long. But that's like, you know, looking back, you don't see things when you're in it. And I hear the analogy a lot. And this can be used in domestic violence or like any difficult situation. You're, you take a, a pot of, of water and you have a frog in it and you're gradually turning up the temperature. The frog doesn't notice it until it's right. too late versus you have a boiling pot of water and you toss a frog into it, they're going to know. And so when you're in this situation that every day it just gradually gets worse and worse, like you don't really realize it. So that started uh, 10 years of court, and I had to give the company name, the website, the phone number, the 12 financial advisors to my then um, ex-husband, and I virtually started all over again. Oh, wow. And so now fast forward, um, you know, here I am, I've got 11 people. I own a 9,000 commercial square foot building. Prosper Well Financial is the name that we brand under, which is much more fitting anyway. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that I, Yeah, I just... I believe, you know, things happen for a reason. And, and out of all of this, you know, when everything happened, I was like, how did I end up here? Because my parents are still married. Like, you know, I'd never seen a therapist and, you know, the therapist was like mystified. She's like, how did you end up in a domestic violence relationship? She's like, you know, traditionally, you know, she's like, you don't fit the, the, the stereotypical or like the mold of someone that should end up in the situation that you, that you did. And so I had to do a lot of work of, you know, self-reflection and like, how do I get myself back? And I, I physically was numb. I financially was numb. I emotionally was numb because I ha had to be to protect myself on a day-to-day -day basis. How, what do I do? Like, how, how do I, how do I help myself? And, and I always had lists and I was very blessed. I had one of my figure skating coaches had her PhD in psychology. So she worked with me a lot, lot with the power of the mind. And so I'm like, oh, rewrite my bucket list. Cause That'll help me. The average divorce takes about a year. And like, I'll just write down and do one thing a month for a year. It'll kind of be a good distractor and help me like find myself again. Little did I know what would happen. <laughs> my parents moved into my house, took care of the kids for the weekend, and I hopped on a plane to Vegas. And uh, the gentleman on the plane couldn't understand why I was going to Vegas. Like, 
not to gamble. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to drive a race car. <laughs> That's all I'm doing. I'm coming home. And he couldn't, he couldn't understand. And eventually I just said, well, I rewrote my bucket list and I'm doing one thing a month for a year. And he got quiet and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. He's like, you're so young. Is it cancer? It's like, so he thought you were dying. Yeah. Cause when, when you say the word bucket list, like people, that's what people think. Like, and I'm like, I, I need, I had so much negativity in my life. I'm like, I have to put a positive spin on this. So I'm like, live it list. So I just started calling it the live it list just for me and for myself. Well, then as I went and kept doing these items and doing these things, when you go and, you know, skydive and, you know, a hot air balloon ride and swim with sharks and rappel down a building and dog sledding, and you start doing all these things, you meet people that are like, I just did this. I did this. And what I really learned is I was boosting my confidence. I was- And you were starting to live, right? Yes. I was starting to live. I was starting to find myself again. I was starting to like feel things again and feel emotions. And I, and then I learned one in three Americans is happy. I then learned if you spend more money on experiences, you're going to be happier than if you spend money on things. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, wow, like I could tie this into financial planning. Like, okay. Like this is, this is how I can leave a legacy. This is how I can make an impact. Like, wow, I'm in this career. Because at that moment, you know, I hated my house. I hated my career. I didn't, my car, like anything in my life, not a single thing had I picked out. Like even like the clothes that I wore, the pots and pans in my house, like every single thing had been controlled. And it was finally, and it took me years to really like have these aha moments. Like, wow, like, okay, here's a way that I can control my future. And here's a way that I can help be an inspiration to other people by sharing my story. And so now fast forward, we do live it list trips <laughs> and we have, I have a foundation. We grant live it list experiences and we're all about inspiring people and helping people live life to the fullest. And just to let you know, if you're listening in your car, we are going to link these, um, the live it list concept and links to Nicole's website. So you can find out more about this. This is something that you're interested in. So I just love this idea. And one of the things you said that really hits, because I also work with a lot of women post-divorce, is this idea of like finding yourself again. I think even as a mother, even if you're not divorced or on top of it, a divorce, and then especially if you're in a controlling relationship or a physically abusive relationship, I that's my favorite part about my job is getting to see these women kind of bloom into this beautiful butterfly. They come in and they're just like emotional messes. They have no idea what's going on. And then they start to take their life back. And they start to make decisions for themselves and do what they want. You not have to check with somebody else about what they want to do or what their preference is. And that is amazing. That's the best part. I mean, it's it's tough work when you're working with people. I went through a divorce myself and, you know, your own divorce, you know that feeling that it's a tough process. And even through COVID, it's taking longer still here, you know, with the court system. So it's a long, tough process. But finding yourself again. And living life for you. When it comes to the financial planning aspect of it, so many people I notice, whether they're going through a divorce or not, think of financial planners and doing a financial plan as a restriction, right? Like you're going to make me save more, do less and save for retirement someday, which I don't even know what retirement looks like. But the concept of how you do financial planning, doing things, like what do you want to do? How do you want to live? Figure out how we're going to get there financially to do those things. 
that's really translated from your live it list to financial planning of flipping it upside down. Like, you know, I've always wanted to like develop some cool app or software, like, you know, transform people's lives. And it's like, I, my hope with the live it list is that it transforms financial planning because so many times people think of a financial planner or financial advisor as like, you know, this insurance agent, this 50, 60 year old man sitting behind a desk that's going to tell us we can't. Can't do this. Can't do this. And one of the things that I learned, um, I'd mentioned my one of my figure skating coaches is when I, when I was little, I, I skated over to her at the boards and I said, I can't do this. And she stopped me one day and she said, Nikki, she's like, tomorrow I want you to bring a dictionary and I want you to show me the word can't. So she's, you know, the next day she's like, see, it's not in there. So you can't, you're not able to say that word. <laughs> And so, and so I stopped saying the word can't and it's how can I, how can I do this? And then when I became a figure skating coach, I did the same thing with my students is I said, if you say the word can't, you owe me a dollar. And I would turn around and give the money back to their parents. But what happens is, is rather than the skater coming over to me saying, I can't do this, they would just go do it and they would try it. And so it's the same thing with anything in life, but specifically also your money is rather than say like, I can't afford it. It's okay. How can I? And I'm not here saying like, oh, you can take the trip to Bora Bora and you can go to Bali and you can yeah. go to Mexico and you can you know, <laughs> do all these amazing things. Like it doesn't mean you're spending everything. It's planning it out and helping people really feel what's a priority because, you know, we just, we, we, we live so much in a society that one, we have to have it all. And then we also live in this Instagram world where we're seeing all these people doing all these things. But what really, what really truly makes you happy and what's a priority? So if you, you know, we're we're taking a, a group to Egypt next year on a live it list trip. It's been on my live it list for a long time. And we um, are giving people the opportunity, as well as myself, to have a private tour of King Tut's tomb and see all these amazing and have all these once-in-a-lifetime experiences. So, okay, let's say that you want to do that. Well, and you're really, and you really, really want to do it. You're going to be less motivated to stop at the coffee shop and get a cup of coffee. You're less motivated to DoorDash meals. You're going to be more thoughtful of where you're spending your money because you have something exciting that you're doing. And that's where if I can bring about excitement to a trip or excitement to an experience, then it's then figuring out, okay, how can I have excitement around my retirement? Because people say the word retirement and that's not exciting. But when you're retired, if you want to go to Egypt, that's much more exciting and it's much more thoughtful and it's much makes it much more real and it makes it something that it's actionable and something that you can then plan for and it makes money more fun and more interesting. I love that concept and it's so true. And retirement has kind of changed. I feel like it's not the old, you know, at this age, I'm just going to shut down. And so to be able to, through financial planning, show how maybe you step back in your career or work less and in order to fund these trips. So it's how can I do it? Well, you right. you can't just stop working at age X if right. you want to take these trips or live in a certain place, relocate, get a home somewhere warm if you're like us in Michigan and Minnesota. I start thinking about that when I think about retirement these this time of year. But that idea of like, how can I do it? Mm-hmm. And coming to you and like as a financial planner, how can I make this work for you? How can I right. let you live your dreams or your live it list? And it may require, as you said, budgeting along the way, which everybody hates the B word, right? And thinks restriction. But if it's for something fun, like a carrot 
Um, I think your kids are probably similar ages to mine, 12 and 14 or my kids. Um, So I'm constantly trying to give them a carrot, right? To like get them excited about (laughs) doing the dishes or, you know, emptying the dishwasher, whatever it is. And we came up with a system of allowance and they get docked if they don't make their bed or do certain things, but they are motivated by what they want to do with their friends the following weekend or what they want to buy from Lululemon if you're my daughter. So, but yep. it's this, I think everybody, myself included, like I need something exciting. I'm right. I love a good Starbucks coffee on my way to work. I'm not going to lie. So <laughs> who doesn't love a reward and who doesn't love, you know, having something to look forward to. And that was one of the things one of my friends was talking to me the other day about how I took a, like my first really big trip where I disregarded myself as a financial advisor when I booked it because I'd never spent that much money on a trip before. It was an over-the-water bungalow, but it was to celebrate paying no more spousal maintenance. And it was very significant for me of like, I need to have this amazing trip. But this friend of mine was saying, he was like, it's not just because like, yes, it was a significant time in your life that you were celebrating your birthday, you were celebrating New Year's Eve, and you were celebrating never paying spells of maintenance again to a man. Um, it was because you had so much runway with the trip. Like I had booked it well over a year in advance. And so that, and that kind of the light bulb went on. I was like, well, yeah, there is some truth to that. Like, you know, now don't get me wrong. I I never have done like the surpriser kids where you wake them up and you're like, we're leaving for the airport right now. We're going to Disney. I've always wanted to do that. I've never done that. And maybe that's why, because it's like that anticipation of, you know, because I'm taking my kids on an African safari. We've been talking about this African safari for three years. We're finally That makes going- it more exciting though, I think. Right, right. And we're finally going this coming spring break, but it's like, we've been talking about it forever, but that's where it can make it more exciting and more meaningful. And you then think about those things more. You're talking about them more. You're inspired more to be focused on what's important, not necessarily, you know, the extra little things at Target or Caribou or the Starbucks or, you know, those things that you're, that you regret spending money on afterwards, you know, especially around the holiday season or like kids' birthdays and you're buying them all this stuff. You know, I'm a huge advocate of, you know, buy your kids experiences or buy them things that they can use not necessarily like that toy that they'll disregard or ignore, you know, five seconds later or five days later, and it goes in the donate bin, you know, six months later. Yeah, no, that's great. And that's actually an inspiration for me because I have not done my Christmas shopping. Yet. <laughs> so I might be buying like IOU experiences. <laughs> Just plan a, plan a trip. Because that is one of the things I did. I didn't wake up the kids one morning like, hey, I want to Disney. But for Christmas, what I did was I packed up, I got Minnie Mouse ears and t-shirts and like matching stuff. And that was their Christmas gift is you guys were going to Disney for spring break. So it's all- You're inspiring me now. So I don't think, I don't know about Disney, but I'm going to start using my- (laughs) What's my wrap? And it also can save you money because otherwise you're like buying just all this stuff versus if you're buying an experience. Because it was funny, the other day I was talking to a client and they're like, your kids are, you know, 12 and 14. And I just, because I post the trips that I take with my kids on social media. And they're like, gosh, you've been taking a lot of trips with your son. I said, well, here's the deal. It's if I get him on a plane and I get him somewhere with me, we're going to watch a football game or, you know, we're going skiing somewhere and he's snowboarding, but I get to spend time with him. Because yeah, otherwise that's... he's 14 and, you know, he doesn't want to hang out with me skiing in Minnesota because his buddies are here and I'm not, you know, a great gamer. So, you know, and I'm not 
and I work out with him, but it's not the same versus with these, you know, if he's with his football mates or his baseball mates. So as you're spending your time, you're spending your time, you're having those experiences, you're making those memories, and you're probably spending less money because you're focused on the experiences, not necessarily just having more stuff. I love that. I think that's such a great lesson for not just people going through divorce, but for anyone really, and a good reminder. Now, you are sitting here 10 10 years post-divorce. Is that right? Like about? Well, 2010 was when he was arrested. My trial was in 2011. My first trial, (laughs) I had three, (laughs) Uh, was 2011. I officially got my decree in 2012. So Okay. So a little over 10 years. 10 years legally. Yeah. That's exciting. And you're you're so successful. Like you said, you started over kind of with your business and building that and owning a building. And I'm sure you lost some clients in the divorce and had to kind of start over with your your book of business. I, if you had one piece of advice for anybody that's just at that like start over point where they hit reset, what would it be? I have the chills as you ask that. (laughs) I I would say, you know, get, make a, make a vision board or write down your goals, you know, tell a friend, whatever, you know, for me, it's visualizing things. So I have vision boards in my office and for me doing those, like it was one, cause it's, it's super time intensive. Like you just go to the store, you buy tons of magazines and you cut out pictures of, you know, now mine is, you know, six pack abs (laughs) and it's more like health related and stuff and different trips and things that I want to take. But find a system that works for you of what do you want? Because if you're focused on what do you want and that long-term, and think of this as, you know, this, this when I look back and like, look at the last 10 years, like that was and technically 12, like this was a marathon. And I finally feel now that like, I'm on the other side of the marathon that I finally am in, I, you know, I moved last year into a new home. Like I finally am in a house that I picked out. I finally own the building that I picked out. I finally drive a car that I picked out. Like I finally made my career, you know, what I want. And I'm still working, you know, I'm still working on that. I'm still working on all these things every day, but look at life as a marathon and visualize it. Tell someone else, do a vision board so that you're focused on that long-term because then that, you know, daily step after step after step of the marathon. If you're looking at the long-term and you're looking at where do you want to get and then just focus on the day-to-day step, it will go a lot faster and it will feel less painful because you're not so like, oh my gosh, like focus on the negative. It's really... And it's not to be Pollyanna-ish. Like you've got to deal with that yucky stuff. And I think that's for me, like I I repressed a lot of things emotionally and that came out in my health. And that's where now, like I, now that I'm finally on the other side, like I finally am dealing with some of this deep, deep PTSD stuff. And like, this is 12 years later. And that's, cr- that's crazy. But I also had to do that because I was a full-time mom and a full-time business owner. And I needed to just repress a lot of those things until I was in a place that I could actually deal with that. So if you focus on you know taking baby steps and where do you want to be, it's a lot less painful. It's you can make it through that marathon. I love that advice, and I love the idea of a vision board. I'm also a very visual person, um, and really like thinking about how you would lay out your ideal life. Um, that would be really helpful because you are going to have those yucky days where the emotions come up and the negativity. I mean, not everybody is positive every day, but to not dwell in the negative right, and have something for those days where you're feeling negative to look at that vision board and really focus on 
the end of the marathon versus next week or tomorrow. Right. Right. Oh, that's great advice. Well, I so appreciate your time, Nicole. This has been this has been a good reminder for me as well as I think all of our listeners will enjoy this. And um, if they want to get in touch with you, I am going to link to your website in our show notes. And um, as I said, we really appreciate your time and sharing your personal story as well as some tools for those who are listening on how to really, um, you know, live life to the fullest after a divorce. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Wealthy After Divorce podcast. You can find more information on Melissa Fradenberg and Jackie Ressler on our website, www.pearlplan.com, as well as on our podcast website, www.wealthyafterdivorce.com.